The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. morning everybody uh, good to see you this morning I brought my glasses so I can see you even better I'm getting to that stage of life it's so good to hear about Camp Kunduwindi and good to see the leaders stepping up wasn't it and just a shout out to those leaders and to Izzy and, and all the other leaders that um, stepped up into that space and served the the, the uh, town of Kunduwindi so good to see that well done on that Hey, we're in the Songs of Jesus. It's all about the Psalms, and uh, the Psalm we're getting to is at the end of, of the book of Psalms, and in many ways, we've tracked, uh, we've tracked our lives in a way. We started out in Psalm 1 talking about the goal of life is to be happy. Uh, I'm not meaning that in a, in a positive thinking sense. I'm thinking that in a sense of blessedness. God has created us to live lives which are blessed, but if we are honest, And uh, that's how the year started out, New Year's resolutions. But if we're honest, the year doesn't normally track like that. And life doesn't normally track like that. We sort of go up and down. And the book of Psalms is structured like that to start out by saying, hey, we've started out with this goal of life, but along the way we've, we've spoken about fear, we've spoken about loneliness, we've spoken about comfort and doubt, and last week about guilt. This, this, uh, this psalm we're coming to right at the end of psalm, there's, there's this crescendo of growing toward finding hope. Finding hope in God, finding hope for our lives, finding hope in this world. There is a story um, in Jim Collins' book, Good, Good to Great, and it's a business book, but he gives a story about uh, Jim Stockdale, and it's called the Stockdale Paradox. Jim Stockdale uh, spent about seven years in what they call the Hanoi Hilton, which is the prisoner of war camp during the Vietnam War, and some of you were in that. Uh, I found out there were over 2 million, almost 3 million soldiers involved with that globally. Um, And he was in this prisoner of war camp for more than seven years. His plane was shot down. He was the commander at that stage, and he was was the most senior uh, ranking officer ever to be a prisoner of war. And he survived that seven years in the camp, and he was often tortured uh, because he was the leader of the group that were trying to resist the enemy. And uh, at the end of coming out of that, he wrote a book about it. But Jim Collins found out about him and interviewed him. And he, he was asking Jim Stockdale about what, what helped you get through this difficult time, this difficult season in your life. And he said, what helped me get through, and as I observed what other people went through and those who didn't survive, uh, when I saw what they were doing so that they didn't survive, I did what was opposite. And so Jim, I know you're getting confused between the two Jims, but Jim Collins asked uh, this, this admiral, he said, what were those people doing that caused them not to survive, caused them to give up? He said those people, they always had this idea that they were going to be saved by Christmas or by Easter, if Christmas came and went, and then by Easter, and then Easter came and went, and then by Thanksgiving, and if you're in the U.S., and that came and went. The people who didn't survive were those who were just optimistic. That might sound a bit weird, but hear me out for a moment. He's saying those who survived understood the times were tough, the brutal facts. But there was the sureness of success. 
There was this hope that one day they will get out. They didn't know when. They didn't promise it was just around the corner, just around the corner. Because what happens when we promise people it's just around the corner and that doesn't materialize, it breaks your heart. There's this paradox that, and that's why it's called this Stockdale paradox, between knowing life is tough, but knowing God has got us brings us hope. And that shifts the perspective for us. Psalms is not trying to tell us that life is all about just being great, just being fine, just being happy. No, life is up and down. But it's having this paradox, having these two things in tension that life can be hard, but it's still good. And God is good. And God is good to us even in this moment right now. And and there'll be some practical ways how the Psalms are going to demonstrate that to us. And we've seen as we've journeyed and getting to the end of Psalms now, the Psalms help us process the ups and downs of life, but in God's presence. So as we come to the end of the book of Psalms, this is sort of a a wrap-up of Psalms. Next week is the closeout. I'll talk about the gospel in the Psalms. But as we come to the end of Psalms, Psalm 146, read it with me on the screen or on your Bible or in your device, in your device, as we read together. As we discover how to have hope, and I know this time of year we're all sort of going, "Mm, how are we going to get through? Well, Christmas is coming. There's a little bit of hope, all right? But we're seeing the year ahead of us coming to a close. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. The word praise the Lord is the word hallelujah. This psalm starts and ends with that word hallelujah. The next four psalms have got the word hallelujah. I'll praise the Lord. It's a choice we're making. He goes on to say, I'll praise the Lord all my life. He's saying, I've, this person who wrote this said, I've learned through the journey of my life that this is the way, this is the journey of life. This is how I find hope, that I've learned to praise God throughout my life, throughout the ups and downs. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Well, how did this person discover this? How did he find this secret to living this life, this long life of being able to praise God, of being full of hope? in his life. Let's discover that as he begins, as he continues to write it down in verse 3. He says, um, this is the wisdom that he's telling us. He says, do not trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. I mean, we've heard about David and Solomon and all those great people in the Bible, and they were good leaders. But at the end of the day, friends, human leaders are only human. They will let us down. They cannot save you, he's saying. Because when they die, when their spirit departs, they return to the ground like all of us. They're just the same as you and I. On that day, their plans come to nothing. So sometimes we look at heroes in this life, and we're let down by them. And we go, oh, well, I, you know, life is just tough. I'm, my leaders are letting me down. And by the way, there's this young generation that we have, and certainly in Australia at the moment, there is this real turn away from trusting in, in what I guess all the folks grew up trusting in, have turned away from trusting the, the mainline media, have turned away from trusting the government, have turned away from trusting large organizations, including churches. There is this shift away from, in our generation, to go, we no longer trust those things. Okay, but then who can we trust? And in our modern generation, there is this anxiety around, who can we trust? Who's going to solve these problems? And the Bible shows us who can help us. Verse 5. He goes on to say, Blessed are those whose help 
is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. I'm going to pick up on that word hope and, and develop the rest of the sermon around that. How do we find hope in this time? And he's saying, here is this deep idea. The word hope, friends, uh, is not like when we say, I hope it's going to rain tomorrow in Brisbane, or I hope the weather's going to be better. We're not quite sure. In the Bible sense, the word hope is more like a certainty. The word batar, which is often used, is confidence, security, uh, being without care, uh, being confident of, of the future. The word here that is, is severe. It's a different word, but it means to test, to inspect, to test it out. I've tested this out, and it works, and, and I put my hope in that. Many today, friends, we know, put our hope, we put our hope in the wrong places, in our wealth, in our careers, in our long-term relationships, in our image or our status. But none of them are firm enough to hold us. They will let us down. They're not designed to give us the type of hope that only God can. See, friends, hope is this expectation of this better future, better things to come. It's connected with so many positive things in our lives that are so important. On the, on the lower end of, of the spectrum, those are without hope. There's a, there's a closer link to people committing suicide with hopelessness than with depression. Those who lose hope in this world, there's a closer link to people considering ending their lives tragically. Hope. In the Bible, the Bible often talks about faith, hope, and love. We read, read about it in passages like 1 Corinthians 3, where, where Paul is saying, I always thank you for, you, you know, you have faith, hope, and love. Somebody has said that faith, hope, and love are like three sisters that you might see walking down the road. I'm not sure if I've shared this here with you, but if I have, forgive me. Uh, for some of you, this is the first time you're seeing it. Sometimes we think faith, hope, and love are like three girls, three sisters walking down the road. And, and on, the, on the right and on the left, you have, you have love and you have faith. And, and they sort of grown up, and, and they sort of they sort seem to be pulling the little girl hope along. But there's a French theologian who says we've actually got that the wrong way around. It's really hope. It's really the little girl in the middle that is pulling along love and faith. When we have hope in God, it feeds our faith. When we have hope in God, it gives us the ability to love him and to love others. It's really hope that pulls along love and faith. And even the Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 3. It's not on the screen. I'll read it to you. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people, the faith and hope that spring Sorry, the faith and love that spring from hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you've already heard the true message of the gospel that has come to you. So in many ways, friends, the hope we have in this world is what brings our faith and love along. Let's go on then with the psalm and see how do we get this. So how do we find hope in this world right now? Firstly, verse 6, he says he's the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He's saying when we look at the world, we go, wow, there's a bigger power here. There's somebody else who's made this. And we have hope that this person who's done this so beautifully 
cares about each of us, knows about us intimately, because he cares about this universe so intimately. Then it goes on to say he remains faithful forever. What does that word mean? Some translations say he, he keeps he, he, who keeps faith forever. He remains faithful forever. Um, in, the, in the New Living Translation, it says he keeps his promises forever. I love what one translation says. It says that God always does what he said he would do. There's something about a leader, isn't there, who does what they said they would do. It builds confidence. It builds hope. When God does what he says he would do, even though it might take a lot longer than what we are anticipating, it builds hope. God does what he says he would do. Look how God helps us. And I want to just give a spoiler alert. You're going to read as we read verses 7 and 8. You're going to go, yeah, that sounds good, but how does God really do this? So let's read that. And spoiler alert, you're going to be asking that question, and I'm hopefully going to answer it. He says he upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. Verse 9, the Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the way of the wicked. And you're going, well, that sounds great. But where does God actually do this? In this world where there's so many wars, is he really helping the oppressed? Is he really giving food to the hungry? Is he really setting the prisoners free? Is he really giving sight to the blind? Or are we just saying these things because they sound good? So how does God actually do that? How does this actually work? As we've journeyed through the Psalms, we've been using the principle that the Psalms are the songs of Jesus. They're not only the Psalms that Jesus sang and used and quoted more about the Psalms from the Psalms than any other book in the, in the Old Testament, but the Psalms also point to Jesus. And one day Jesus, early on in his ministry, right in the beginning of his ministry, he's 30 years old, He shows up in the town that he grew up in, and the prophet is never at home in his own hometown. He shows up in Nazareth. He's invited to the synagogue to read the scriptures because that's what you did in those days. When a guest speaker came in, you gave them the the scroll and you said, well, you read something from it and then teach us. So Jesus takes the Isaiah scroll, 66 feet long, and he scrolls through it. Maybe it was in three parts three books, and he scrolls through it, and he finds this text to read. He says this. This is from Isaiah 61, and it's quoted in Luke 4, 18. He says this. This is what Isaiah 61 says about this person that's coming. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We're going, okay, okay, this is how God actually came into this world, that the Son of God 
who the Psalms talks about, that God does all these things, you know, helps the oppressed, helps the widow, helps the blind, helps the, helps the sick, help those who don't have food. Jesus steps into the world and begins to do this. He walks along and sees the blind man and heals him. He walks along and, and people follow him and, and there's a whole lot of people with a, for a couple of days they're sitting with him and he feeds them. A couple of people who have bowed down, you know, their, their child has just died and, and they're just weary with life and Jesus heals the child, comes back to life. Jesus is restoring everything to how it should be. He's bringing hope. He's bringing freedom. He's setting these captives free. So in a way, Jesus is already answering, has already answered what the Psalms talks about. He brings hope that God is actually stepped into this world to take our place on the cross that we might find forgiveness, to do the things on our behalf that we might have hope in God. And so Jesus takes on our humanity, friends, to give us hope for all, for this life and for eternity. He died so that we might live. He took our punishment so that, and our, for our rebellion that we might go free. He became broken so that we might be healed. This is what God does. This is the type of God we serve. This is his character. This is what the Father does. This is what the Son does. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. He does these things. They do these things. Okay, that was way in the Old Testament. That was Jesus. 2,000 years ago, but how does it practically work out for you and me today and tomorrow when you step into this world? How does that look? See, there's more. Jesus doesn't just invite us into a new kind of life with him. One day, later on, he invites us into a new kind of life today that makes a difference in the way that he made a difference. It makes a difference for us, and it makes a difference for those around us. You see, Jesus said, come and follow me, learn from me, be my disciples, be my witnesses. It's not just about believing in Jesus. It's actually about living like Jesus and doing the things he did. So, my friends, this psalm is also about you. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's asking you to step into the world. You're not God. Let's get that clear. I'm not God. But he asks you to step into the world to uphold the cause of the oppressed, to give food to the hungry, to set the prisoner free, to give sight to the blind, to sustain the fatherless and the widow, and frustrate the ways of the wicked. Friends, God is calling you into this world to bring hope. And as you bring hope, you find hope. You find it almost impossible to serve somebody, to genuinely serve them, without also you being encouraged. This is how the early Christians lived. And this is why they believe the, the early Christianity, <clears throat> there was this explosion from being less than 1% of the population to at one point they say up to 30% of the Roman Empire was Christian. 
What happened in the early history um, after Jesus died and rose again and the church was birthed through the Holy Spirit, there were two plagues, maybe three, that, that devastated the Roman Empire, much like COVID did right in our world. Um, and they, they came through um, back in, in eight. I better get my glasses because I'm going to get the date wrong. There we go. In 80, 165 AD and then in 251 AD. And there were these two plagues that came through. They think it was smallpox uh, or maybe measles. And the armies had gone out into, into Europe and into Asia and come back with these diseases. And they say that almost up to a third of the Roman Empire died. But where were the Christians? What were the Christians doing? The Roman emperors and doctors and wealthy people fled for the hills. They literally went to other countries. If you were sick and dying, you were put out into the street, especially if you were a child or a woman. You were just thrown out. Who cares? The Christians took it to heart. They heard and remembered Jesus saying, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. They heard, they heard these teachings about Jesus when he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so the Christians started to care for the sick. They cared for their own sick, their own families, the churches. And because they showed care, the Christians survived. But they began to care for those others in the street who weren't Christians. Many Christians died as a result. But because they were caring for their own as well, the percentage of Christian grew because other people were dying. Christians also became immune, right, to these illnesses. But they cared for other people as well. And so people converted to Christianity. In fact, in the 4th century, one of the Roman emperors, Julian, said this. He was trying to stamp out Christianity. And so he wrote this um, letter to one of the priests, and he said, he said this in 362 AD. He wrote this disgusted letter. He said, I don't know what to do. The Christians are multiplying. And do you know why they're multiplying? Nothing has contributed to the progress of this superstition. He was talking about Christians. Of these Christians, as their charity to strangers, the impious Galileans provide not only for their own poor, but for ours as well. And the church exploded. We sit here today and we wonder about the future of the church. We wonder about the future of Christianity in Australia. Folks, they were the underdogs in the first century, but they cared for others as well as themselves. God hasn't just saved you for heaven one day. He saved you for now. Jesus says, I've come to give you life that starts now. It's a quality of life that begins now. And so N.T. Wright, a biblical scholar, he says this. He says, when God saved people in this life by working through his spirit to bring them uh, to faith and by leading them to follow Jesus in discipleship, prayer, holiness, hope, and love, such people are designed to be a sign and a foretaste of God wants to do for the entire cosmos. God has begun a work in you Yes, it's not perfect. I'm not perfect. Your husband's not perfect. Your wife's not perfect. Your children are not perfect. But God is beginning the work in you, the work to recreate this cosmos. It has begun for you. And he's asking you 
as a disciple and follower of Jesus, to begin to do that to others, which brings hope, Christian hope. It's not just about going to heaven, but it's also about this world. Christian hope is about God's new creation right here, right now, in heaven as on, in, uh, on earth as in heaven, Jesus taught us to pray. So my friends, whenever you paint a picture, lead us in worship, whenever you preach a sermon, do something good to someone else, whenever you campaign for justice, whenever you stand up for those who are the underdogs, when you care for the needy, loving your neighbor as yourself, all of these things, are you bringing God's future into the present? There's nothing your neighbor wants to see more than that care. That somebody cares for them. McCrindle did some research in 2022 around the changing face landscape in Australia. And we'll put that up on the screen if you can read it. He said what, what people are looking for, he said they, they're asking people who are not Christians, he said, what attributes of Jesus' life do you most connect to in the most positive way? Obviously, love the highest, 53. But the second on that scale is 44%. Australians would say when they think about Jesus, that's what they think about. He would bring hope to this world. Your neighbor next to you, your friend at work, your, your friend at school, friend is looking for hope. He's looking for somebody who would care for them because our God has demonstrated this to us. So Rhaenyra Kantamalesa. Kantalamesa. I always get that surname wrong. He's obviously Italian. He said to give hope to someone is the most beautiful gift that can be offered. God is inviting you, friends, in this psalm, not only to have hope in him because of what he has done in this cosmos, not only to hope in him because of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you on the cross, through his death and resurrection to the new life and ascension to heaven, already ruling and reigning to bring all things under his feet. But because of what he's done for you to place you in this world, to bring hope to your neighbor and care, to watch out for each other. So I want to ask you this, says North Pine Baptist Church. And so good to hear that testimony this morning of the difference you're making in the community. I want to ask you as North Pine Baptist Church, what is your voice in this community? There's another way to ask it. If North Pine Baptist Church disappeared overnight, what would the community miss? If you were not here, thank you for the music. <laughs> it's not my phone. I don't know whose phone it is. What would they miss? God has given you a voice. I want you to beat yourself up with this question. I want you to explore what voice God has given you. God has given you a voice. And he's going to ask you to use that voice in this community. And unless we ask this question, you might sometimes guess about it. What is the unique way that you, North Pine Baptist Church, bring Jesus Christ, into this community that he's given you? How do you show hope? Or how is he asking you to show hope?
You may not have that answer now, but I'd like to encourage you to pray that prayer and say, God, show us what we would do differently here, that if we were to disappear, the community would say, you know what, I didn't agree with what they said, but boy, do I respect them for the way they did what they did. What would that look like? Just in case we've forgotten, there's going to be an end. Psalm 146, verse 10, as we close out this psalm, it says, The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. There is the word, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But that verse is talking about God is reigning. And the Bible talks about one day God will come down to reign on this earth, a new earth, however you want to describe it, but on Zion, the place where we would go, the place where we would be gathered, One day, God will be reigning visibly. There'll be no need for sun. Every tear will be wiped. Every care will be taken care of because God is coming back. Coming back to fetch us, but coming back to rule and reign. Skipped a whole lot of theology between those two. You've got some other way. You've got your own way to fill up that. It talks about his coming back. And it talks about his reigning. However, you fill up that gap. There's a whole lot of theology there, right? I'm just talking about the end point. Your throne of God will be on Mount Zion. When he's coming back to this earth, life's not just going to carry on like we see it now. You are building some way, somehow, into God's future, God's future kingdom, however that's going to look. So how do we put this into practice as I close? Firstly, the psalm encourages us, friends, to praise God every day. Hallelujah. The word every day is not in there. I'm encouraging you to do that. Learn to praise God every day. It will fill your soul with hope. There's nothing more helpful to me than to put on some music in the morning, first thing when I get up. It fills me with hope, knowing that I have a God who I can worship. Learn to praise Him every day in a way that makes sense for you. Secondly, let me encourage you to accept the change that Jesus will bring change to this world. He will. And it's his timing, not ours. You and I are not the Savior of the world. You and I are not the Holy Spirit. God is doing this work. All he's asking you and I to partner with him, to accept the change will come, and it's his timing. And thirdly, would you find hope as you follow Jesus into this world and be his change agent? There's many beautiful ways you can do that. Ultimately, speak to your friend about Jesus Christ, 100%. But there's many other powerful ways you can serve people that they might go, why are you different? Why do you do what you do? And then you tell them about Jesus. Find a way that's unique to you. And I trust this church, North Pine Baptist, will find a way that's unique to you as a church as you journey into the future, asking God to show you that, to fill you with that and that you might create hope in this world that we live in. So praise the Lord, all my soul. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you not only stepped into this world to come and change it. We can think about, Lord, that it's 2,000 years ago. It's historic. But you're still stepping into this world to change it through the Holy Spirit. Are you changing us? And might we be your change agents 
in this world? Might we bring hope to others? Might somebody else's year end with hope because we were a friend on the journey for them? Lord, I pray right now for those sitting here or watching online that have lost hope. And might I be their friend right now to pray for them? And to say to them that you have got them in your hands. That you know exactly where they are, Lord. They are your child. You care for them. So I pray, Lord, that you would answer their prayers in a way that they will look back and give you praise. That you'll answer, Lord, their deepest desires to know you and be known by you, Lord. And to be in relationship with others, Lord, who care for them as they care for others. I pray, Lord, at this time of life which is so busy, we're desperately rushing to the end of the year, might we not forget to have hope? Might we not forget to worship? Might we remember the reason for hope? That you came to this world. We celebrate that on Christmas Day. And so, Lord, we honor you and worship you, give you our thanks and praise. And with all creation, we sing hallelujah. And we sing that and ask it and, and pray that ancient prayer. Even so, come, Lord Jesus to this world, to bring about the change that only you can bring. But in the meantime, help us to be that change. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.